I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, and we are headed back to the south where we left uh, last time. This is episode uh, two, part two of us talking about Gone with the Wind, the novel. And in the last part, we discussed (laughs) part one, two, and three. And now we're going to talk about part four and five. Yep. It's almost right? Lord of the Rings style here. <laughs> almost Without Lord being of the Rings Lord style. of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. So when we left Scarlet, the world had disintegrated around <sighs> her. <laughs> Pretty oh. much. Oh, la la. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think we should say right at the outset here that we are in spoiler territory immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we synopsize a little bit in the previous episode, um, just a little bit, you know, about how Gone with the Wind is a kissing book and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Super fast, uh, Scarlet discovers, you know, those taxes we mentioned. Mm. Those are actually coming due and everybody knows she can't pay them. And so the hideous overseer who her parents let go because he was fathering unmarried uh, children, but outside of marriage, he's married some white trash girl and he's going to buy the house and live there. And Scarlet's like over my dead body. And so she gets her mother's old curtains, dresses up with that and some rooster feathers and goes off <laughs> to find someone who'll give her some money. Oh man. Red Butler, are you listening? <laughs> and so what happens is through the course of the book, she gets married twice more, has two more children um, does things that, you know, her mother would have been so embarrassed, like owns a saw, runs a business, which was a new idea, even for Scarlett owns a sawmill, gets involved with, you know, essentially like well, you can't say slave labor, but the convicts, it's really just awful, well, um, yeah, with yeah. treating people horribly. And what becomes really clear is money is all she cares about. Mm. She's been so traumatized by everything and money is the only security that she understands. And then the only person who really sticks up for her, no matter what, aside from Rhett, Hmm. and he doesn't stick up for her, but he's got her back, is Melanie, who keeps her going with the ladies of the Confederacy who would like to cast her off. And uh, by the end of the book, oh my gosh, it's terrible. (laughs) You know, Scarlet is just about... She's so smart on some levels, and then she's so unscrupulous on others, and she's just clueless about the human heart, really. Very, yeah. 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 Very selfish. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a much more difficult time with her in the second half than I did in the first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I was I was stunned by what she was doing. In fact, you know, when, when she married uh, Frank, I actually had to send you an email <laughs> I normally don't have a running commentary <laughs> while I'm reading it, but my gosh, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right oh, under Sue Ellen's nose, it. too. I mean. Lying to him, stealing oof. him out from Sue Ellen's oh, nose. Oh, my goodness. But mm-hmm. what else was she supposed I mean, there probably were other things to do, but what else could she do? Yeah. I mean, I, I think last time I said something about her rising to the occasion, and, and yeah. here she is. She's doing the things that that she feels like she has to do, but 
not worrying at all about the destruction that she's causing. That's it. Many, many people. Um, yeah. And it's just, no, you, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. I just kept, my mouth just kept dropping open. It, it was like, yeah. you know, the mouth dropping moment in the previous half was when she shot that Yankee soldier, right? I, it was shocking to me because I didn't, I completely didn't expect it, but I could understand it. I mean, mm-hmm. she's protecting her home. She's protecting her kid. She's protecting Melanie herself. and her kid and herself. Yeah. Um, this was a threat, an immediate threat. And um, just how she took care of it was just, just such a surprise to me. And then right. that was her doing what had to be done. Um, but now... She's doing what she needs to do, but she's she's. It's just selfish how she deals with it. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking about it because I'm going. You know, when she marries Frank, you know, Mammy's going along with it. Mammy's like getting her dressed up to go see Rhett Butler. Mammy's like, well, whatever you have to do to get Frank Kennedy, you know, she's tacitly approving of it because she understands. Scarlett is doing this for everybody so that they can keep Tara. But I'm sitting here thinking about it and going, you know, they didn't have to keep Tara. I understand Tara is essentially a person in the book, and she was not going to see Tara fall into those unworthy hands. But Mm. look at what she sacrifices for it. That is a terrific point. And um, I'm remembering, again, from the first half of the book, her what her dad said about land. Mm-hmm. And then what she said about land, how it was the only thing worth dying for. Mm-hmm. You know, they both said that, her dad and her. And Ashley, when he's, you know, kissed her and then goes, no, I, you know, this is what you care about. And he puts the red clay into her hands. And later, Rhett, I think, says, you'll go back to Tara. You've got Tara. Yeah. Everybody understands Tara means more to her than any person on earth, really. Except first Ashley, now Rat. But what do you, you know. what do you think that is? Is that is that clear to you why? I have moved around so much. I don't have that attachment to a place. Maybe it's can modern people feel that way? I guess they can. Sure, I, I, I suppose they can. I don't. I don't feel that way about any specific place. Well, you know what? Let me put it this way, though. If I was being kicked out of the United States, I would feel that way. Oh, yeah. I love my country. Mm -hmm. And I would not see invaders come in. And this is ridiculous. That's the missing piece right there that uh, left my mind for a moment. That this is happening in the midst of losing the war. Yeah. Right? She's uh, this This is her entire world crumbling around her. Right. And that is something that is being threatened and taken away. And it it could symbolize home, stability, I mean, so many things. Her mother, who she lost and yeah. loved so much. Well, because she was ready at the beginning of the book, she'd look at Twelve Oaks, which was uh, the Wilkes place, and go, oh, when I marry Ashley, I can live there. And she was perfectly happy to leave Tara behind. But everything has shifted at this point. And I'm thinking, you know, even to... Uh, a different extent, and and this is ridiculous because it would never happen, but Texas, you know, if Texas was under threat of invasion, I'd be, you know, not to the same degree as the United States. Right. But I right. would certainly be very upset to have to go live somewhere else, hmm. you know. Okay. I like yeah. Texas a yeah. lot. 
yeah, I grew up in Idaho. I loved Idaho. Yeah. And, and here I am living in Utah, which is just south of Idaho. Mm-hmm. But it's very different, you know. So yeah. when I go to Idaho, I, I feel like that that's home. Yeah, you've relaxed. It's mm-hmm. home. It's you like, understand oh, it. Yeah, I remember this. You know, this is this is where I belong. Um, so yeah, I do understand that. And mm-hmm. and the fact that it's being taken, not only right. is she just she's not like deciding to go take another job in Cleveland. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. It's being taken away and there is nothing to replace it. I mean, um, so yeah, this is you know, there's lots of reasons why that is important. And to a lesser degree, the same as I said with Texas, to a lesser degree, for her, Atlanta is that way. She goes back to Atlanta um, to live with Aunt Pity Pat and everybody um, and make her fortune with Frank. I mean, she's trying to get the money, and then she winds up staying there because she marries Frank. But they talk a lot about the city was destroyed. So all these new buildings have gone up and they look tawdry and cheap and everything. And the, even the nicer old parts of town, the buildings have been taken over. So the Yankee army is run, is in one big gracious house. Um, the other house has been turned into a boarding house by whoever lives there. And mm-hmm. she talks about how it hurts. And so on the one hand, you know, Atlanta is really more like she is as a person She's been torn down to the ground and she's building up and she's cheap and tawdry and she's not what she would have been otherwise, but she's going to survive. Yeah. And Tara is what all her heritage, everything that she ever was and wanted to be and dreamed of, you know, and she'll happily let Will marry Sue Ellen and they'll live there because they're keeping it going. Yeah. You know, uh, something else that's going on at the same period, um, you know, talking about Atlanta that surprised me is that people from the north would come down and live there. Um, yeah. You know, I guess that should have, you know, I think this is one of the research parts that this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should have known that, but, you know, what on earth was going on there, you know? I, I, it's just so hard to imagine going into a conquered territory and then living and, expecting anyone to be happy with you being there in any shape, you know, you'd be, I'd feel threatened all the time. I don't know how anyone could be comfortable. Well, it's funny because I'm remembering um, a part where there's a woman she's talking to was a Yankee and she's talking, the Yankee woman is talking very horribly about the black people. Right. And and the one that's with her. Right. Yeah. The one that's with her. Oh yeah. Driving, driving the coach, yeah. Yeah. And um, Scarlett is highly indignant on the behalf of these people who she loves. But I like uh, that, first of all, this is a sidebar, but Uncle Peter's just pissed off at her. Oh, yeah. He's he mad should have stood Scarlett. up for me, man. Yeah, right. And he wasn't wrong. He, She mm-hmm. should have. She's like, well, we don't care what they think. And she's like, I'm not mad about her. She's ignorant. Mm-hmm. You. You know better. But the so but that woman, you got the idea she wasn't exactly upper class. She was maybe married to a profiteer, carpetbagger. Mm-hmm. But you know, I grew up in Kansas where um as I mentioned before, you know, you knew the North won and it should have won and everything happened that should have. But we were still taught about, you know, reconstruction and how awful it was. Mm. And how hard it was on the South to live under those conditions. And um, so I think a lot of those Northerners were like any, after any war, people move in to try to get, pick over the leavings hmm. 
and make what they can from rebuilding. And then they said later when she was having her big open houses with all her new friends, some of whom were just not quite the thing, um, but Southern, but then other ones who were Northerners who she'd invite, they said all the ones who were say like the young army couples, once they saw who these other people were, who were, they were all gamblers and profiteers and just awful people, they would leave because they were nice people. Hmm. So they, but they were assigned there essentially, you know, you're an army guy, you're sent down there to run things. Well, you take your family with you, of course. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. What a job. And and I know okay. I know that it's happened throughout history. It's not uh, it's not yeah. new. I should have known that, um, but yeah, for somehow in my head it was like this southern, you know, uh, rebuilding and all that stuff. I I didn't picture in my head that there were northerners around while they did it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and how how difficult that would be. Um, yeah, and all yeah. the election stuff that they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, and who's running the state? You know, right. was really you know somebody put in and um, and they're you know. maneuvering all the laws to keep all the original Confederacy mm. people down and yeah. Um, yeah, I did try and because you know you and I talked in the last part about what was objectionable about the book to people now and of course you see when they're she's writing about Reconstruction a lot of the things she's saying about how the free black slaves or former slaves were being manipulated and used and they're not represented in a very nice light. I mean, a couple of times I think Scarlett thinks of them as monkeys um, or children and you're just like, Oh, and she's you know. afraid of them and they're actually right. uh, should be afraid of them, you know, by the way they were acting in the book. Right. And so yeah. I went looking up because um, I know history can be rewritten And I was trying Mm -hmm. to find any sources for where Margaret Mitchell would have gotten all this information. It didn't sound like it couldn't happen, but I didn't find any article saying, oh, and by the way, this was part of the condition at the time. So I don't know. I I can easily imagine that's part that people read and go, come on. Yeah, I got to tell you, I I came away from this book um, with an appreciation for how complicated it was for the black people. Um, and, you know, th- there were parts in there where, you know, it was implied. And, and and the thing is, you know, I say it was complied. I'm saying a character's implied. It doesn't mean that it was the author's um, position, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just this character believed that uh, black people were better off in slavery than in the right. North, right, or being free in the South, you know, and they express that opinion in the book. And I, I know that that would be, um, you know, that, that is not a popular opinion, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to say the least, you know, and then, and then to have these, uh, free black people being portrayed as aggressive and the, yeah. uh, the number of, um, black slaves that were around our character, Scarlet, who stayed with her mm-hmm. and, um, clearly felt like part of the family you know, I, I can understand how that might soften something for people, you know, or they're worried about it. But, um, but again, I feel like she gave a lot of these points of view in here that left me with the feeling that this is tremendously difficult and complicated for the black people in this book. Um, and what I think would be real life, you know, um, right. 
it is more complicated to me than it was when I came in. You know, I, again, hmm. you know, slavery bad, right? Uh, you know, which is still oh, bad. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not convinced that it's not. Um, but I'm just like, okay, you have a person that's in slavery and then you make them free. And now they're political pawns. Um, again, you know, white people treating them badly, you know, uh, um, it's difficult um, in, a, in different ways than I knew before. Well, and especially for people who've never been in the position of running their own lives and making their own decisions, it doesn't mean they can't make good decisions, but it means you haven't had any practice and everything's different than it used to be. So now you're also navigating that world. And it makes me think of, you know, what is it? 40 acres and a mule is what freed slaves or maybe the men slaves were supposed to be given for their families. But so many of them wound up as, uh, what's it called? not shareholders, uh, what was it? Sharecroppers. Yeah. Because Mm. they couldn't make a go of it. And some of that has to be because they just didn't have the resources, but some of it also has to be because I just can't manage this, you know, mentally or emotionally, or I only know this one way of living. And so maybe it's like the second generation is the one that goes and does, you know, they go to the North and have factory jobs or, they manage a store, they do whatever, because it's like um, being an immigrant coming to this country where, well, I'm Chinese and I make Chinese food and they need a Chinese restaurant in this town. And maybe your kids go to college and they go off and do, you know, they're a doctor, but you do what you have a knowledge of. And so some of that, I think for me plays into it. I could see also the fact that this is being told from Scarlett's point of view yeah. and the people around her's point of view. And it doesn't matter at that point if it's really, although a lot of it, as you're saying, is presented as being complicated. But when you're seeing the characters of the book talk about it, they're that top 1% or mm-hmm. 2%. Right, yeah. In their point of view, mm-hmm. this is all very different. It's wrong. It's not how it should be. And it's frightening. And they're going to believe any of that. And anybody who's not acting the way they used to, you know, glorying in their freedom or whatever to um, treat everybody as equal to them, well, they're not going to like that either. Right. And it's going to be emotional. Yeah. And they're going to report it emotionally. It absolutely is. And then to add to that burden on the uh, black people in the book, uh, Scarlett is presented as, you know, she has a sawmill. Mm-hmm. And who has she hired, quote unquote, to work in the sawmill? Not free black people. You know, uh, it would it would break her. She would not she make enough money. It. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. In her words, you know, she's like, I can't afford that. Um, she she brings in convicts, and the convicts now are forced to work with her. So it's another slavery situation. Um, oh man, it's but, terrible. Yeah, and it's horrible. It, it's so, um, and I know that that um, is why some laws were passed that made things difficult for black people shortly after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Was um, uh, uh, people in these states trying to protect their businesses? You know, as what they saw. So, so this is being presented in this book. As you know, what what her uh, perception is of what she can pull off as a business did not include paying the workers. Yeah, and it's all too 
<laughs> what led to things like the Jim Crow South. Exactly. That's that's right. You that, know, that's that, the, the laws, these right. are the first steps that lead to that where um I really have to feel like the representation was extreme. But again, it's being shown through Scarlett's eyes. And if that's what you think, and you're the ones who can vote when you finally do get power, which they're starting to do again, the Southerners by the end of the book, you're going to kind of go, Oh no, 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 no. We're controlling this situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying this happened. And I can, you yep. can kind of see her with this point of view, you can see it leading to that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And she is not presented as a good person, right? No. Scarlet is making these decisions, and you are not going, wow, that's interesting and good that she did that. It's not oh, at all. Absolutely not. She knows it's wrong. She oh, knows yeah. When it, she, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when she's down there and she sees how the convicts are being treated by that Johnny Gallagher, who's uh, the foreman, and she's so indignant. And so upset. Mm-hmm. And then he's going, well, if I do all this, I'm going to leave. And she's like, oh, I'll never get anybody to run it profitably. Right. So she shuts her eyes to it. Yeah. She, 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 That's a hard she moment. She fake punishes him. <laughs> yeah. She gives him a very light punishment and, and winks her eye practically and says, do what yeah. you're doing. And I've got to save my face here. And um, I'm going to storm off now. And you continue to make me this money because uh, mm-hmm. it's working out. And, and those poor man, convicts. you're just like, oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. Um, really tough, you know, uh, to stay with her. You know what I mean? You know, so, and she's, oh, no, all, she's the, all the time. she's an antihero. Yeah, definitely an antihero. And then uh, all, the, all this time, she's making this money and she's sending it home to Tara. And at Terra, you've got, you know, Ashley and Melanie and other people that are there and they're Will, working. Will, who's helping her run it. Yeah. yeah. All this stuff. And so she, you know, that, that's how she's justifying it to herself. I'm doing this because I'm, I'm protecting Terra. She's paying the taxes, you know. Uh, so mm-hmm. she's sitting there in, in uh, Atlanta where she really doesn't want to be. She'd really rather be in, you know, at Terra, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing this stuff. But that's how her justification in her head is we're saving this and we're doing this and um, yeah. Yeah. This second half of the book, I like the first half always. And the second half, I, there's a huge portion of it where I'm reading it and I'm always interested. And the plot is always more complicated than I remember. And all these issues are being brought up and talked about, Yeah, but it's not enjoyable. A lot of it. It it, it, it leaves me, you know, I know that some people feel like this should be banned or something. I mean, I've heard that oh, word. I've heard that word. Yeah. Around. I, I absolutely do not feel that way. Um, I I come I come away from this as a brand new person reading this, wanting to know more about what happened, um, and I feel like it was a good experience for me. Um, not only because the story is amazing um, and the writing is amazing, but what was presented to me about these difficulties is something that uh, I would like to know some more about. And um, I probably will look into that um, mm-hmm. through these sources. And I think that that's a good thing. And that's why a book like this should not be edited. It shouldn't be banned. It should be right. nothing like that. It should be left alone. And uh, maybe even I would go so far as to be taught Yes. So, um, because it's thought provoking. It is very thought provoking, and and um, the I can understand someone who says, "Well, slavery in here is presented in a softer way because these one or two percent, like you said, 
were very kind to the slaves and everything. And that's not something um, that we want to be dealing with um, because slavery was wrong no matter what. And it was, and um, it's difficult, right? It's complicated. It's right. so very complicated. But how valid are your beliefs? And of course, I know this is what you're saying is, how valid are your beliefs if you cannot argue about it? Yes. If you can't present to somebody who says, well, no, I, I do want to talk about this thing, you should be able to have a conversation about it. And if it leaves you going, wanting to go look for more, because we were having a conversation with this book. I was looking stuff up. I couldn't find anything, but I was like, this probably the internet is in the place to do this right now. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I have so much to learn. I, I, I know that right. for sure. And right. um, this has showed me a little bit of what I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's good. It is good. It's very good. Yeah. And plus it's yeah. such a riveting right. book. And then, and that, yeah, that's the other piece of it, you know? So we have the first half, which uh, I called remarkable. And this second half is still remarkable. It's, uh, the the author is incredible. Um, she is absolutely amazing. And Scarlet and Rhett are characters that I just can't, you know, it's like, what? You know, this is so atypical, both of them, um, which is exhilarating. Um, you know, you read them. And, and they're, 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 you know, in a way it is a kissing book, right? They're, they're, this is a love story <laughs> yeah, and they're dancing around each other the whole time. And what happens at the end, is just like, it's like an anti-love story. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's just like, this is so it's like atypical. a dagger in your heart. You're like, right. no, Rhett, yeah. Rhett, no, one more chance. She <laughs> oh could be a real person. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Damn it. Yeah. So if we, yeah. if we kind of continue linearly before we get to the end, yeah. um, the... The, um, so Ashley, right, who she loves, this is when things started to, I mean, really get even more amazing, you know, because Ashley, to her, she loves Ashley mm -hmm. and she's uh, holding him up on this pedestal all the time. And then, um, it turns out that he's in the KKK. And he is going to they kill. All, are, all those men are right. not red. Yeah, Everyone not else. red. Right. <laughs> no, because Red's like later on. Red's like mm -hmm. I would even join their KKK, though I do not want to. But oh, absolutely. Get in good with them so yeah. that Bonnie has a chance in society. My oh little my girl. Gosh. Oh my god. I know, gosh. and I was yeah. like, that's interesting that she shows a little bit of him going ugh. Yeah, yeah. Because he's reprehensible in so many other ways. Right. But he won't do that. Yeah. And, um, so you know, anyway, continue. Yeah. But, but I felt like, you know, Scarlett felt that way about Ashley being in the KKK and yeah. how, how he, um, secretly, you know, he, Melanie didn't even know he was in the KKK. Um, so Melanie's married to Ashley. And right. so Ashley, um, has this big plan because, um, Scarlett was threatened by a black person. And now he's like, you know, I'm going to go take care of that. But the the North finds out about it. Some agents, uh, I don't know what you call them. It's like the police, kind of. Yeah, spies, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But they they get wind of what's going to happen. And then um, how, and Rhett saves them all. You know, he, <laughs> he gets wind of, they got wind of it. And then right. <laughs> says, okay, you know, and he rides in there. And, and that whole scene was just something. And so to find that out about Ashley was really something. And I think that led to part of the ending, right? 
it, well, it was like a clue. Know. It was like a clue that well, Ashley, was a clue, Ashley but, wasn't everything that she thought. Yeah, but I also think that they all viewed it. Now, again, they're not talking in this book about what the KKK does. Right. They're just like, we're not having our political meetings that we said we're meeting. We're off defending Southern womanhood mm-hmm. is the way they put it. Yeah. And I'm thinking of some of the stuff that I've, you know, even in more modern times heard and gone, Ugh. Um, but in the book, it's just presented as very shallowly. Yeah. And nobody wants him to do that. And like I said, Rhett's the only one who much later on says, Oh, if I had to, I would do it. But that's, you know, for my daughter, that's it. And, um, but yeah, you're right. The, the big climax comes when Scarlet, who has been warned, who does it anyway because she's so headstrong. You know, when India Wilkes is going around going, you killed your husband by doing this. You, do, I mean, she is spot on, spot on. Um, but yeah, to me, I looked at that and it's funny because I didn't look at it and go, oh no, the blue was off the rose. I just went, oh, of course they are these dunderheads, <laughs> you know, what yeah. a bunch of dummies. They can't make a difference. And what they're doing is ruining other people's lives who, you know, anyway. So um, I would like to take just a, a side note here. Um, let me find the right page. Mm-hmm. It was, <laughs> to me, so funny. Every so often there will be little bits of humor. Not tons. But so Rhett hides them all at, or he takes them all to Bell Watling's to a whorehouse and acts like they were having a big party there. And that's why the ladies don't know where the guys are. And they say it's a political meeting because they're off whooping it up every week with them. And um, the thing that's so funny, first of all, Scarlett's such an idiot. She gets all mad and all the other ladies are going, shut up. That's not what's going on. <laughs> but the other thing is when Dr. Mead is, <laughs> and you know this was put in here just for humor, because we never see Dr. Mead's point of view. And uh, Mrs. Mead's helping the doctor. He's like, my lumbago or whatever it is afterwards. And she's like, doctor, Mrs. Mead hesitated. What did it look like? What are you saying, Mrs. Mead? I like he calls his wife, Mrs. Mead. Mm-hmm. Her house. What did it look like? Are there cut glass chandeliers and red plush curtains and dozens of full-length gilt mirrors? And were the girls, were they unclothed? <laughs> Good God, cried the doctor, thunderstruck. Mm-hmm. For it had never occurred to him that the curiosity of a chaste woman concerning her unchaste sisters was so devouring. How can you ask such immodest questions? You are not yourself. I will mix you a sedative. Mm. And she's saying, I don't want a sedative. I want to know what, what it looks like in there. Oh, dear. This is my only chance to know what a bad house looks like. And now you're mean enough not to tell me. And so he's like, I didn't see anything. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, go to sleep then. She answered disappointment in her voice. Then as the doctor leaned over to remove his boots, her voice spoke from the darkness with renewed cheerfulness. I imagine Dolly has gotten it all out of old man Merriweather, and she can tell me about it. Good heavens, Mrs. Mead, do you mean to tell me that nice women talk about such things among them? Oh, go to bed, said Mrs. Mead. (laughs) Oh, man. So every so often you get these little bits of just regular life and uh, not lots, but just a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I just loved that of, you know, do you mean to tell me nice women talk about this? Oh, you know? yeah, so sure. Right. I loved it. 
Yeah. I just was that whole thing because the whole thing was so beautifully set up that you don't know what's going on. You're on the edge of your seat the whole time. And what you see is the other women and especially Melanie are much smarter than Scarlett. And over and over and over people say Scarlett's got the courage of a lion. Well, what she has is really what Ashley says. One point you have the courage of a lion and utter lack of imagination. (laughs) And I would say, She's not really courageous because she can't imagine the full implications of what's going on a lot, but she knows she has to do stuff. Like you said, she has to rise to the occasion and handle things. I think to be courageous, you have to have more depth of soul. I think so too. You kind of have to have knowledge. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can't sin unless you know it's a sin, right? <laughs> it's, right. it's like, you know, you can't be courageous unless you know you're being that. You have to, you have to have... Yeah, you have to have some understanding about the situation in order to even be courageous. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. see um, we see many examples of courage, and a lot of them from Melanie. I think that you just you nailed it. You know, she's like Saint Melanie in this book. And no kidding. Yeah, um, but you're right. She she's courageous from the moment you know, like when she she took the sword. Um, when they had to kill, when, when Scarlett shot the Yankee soldier, mm-hmm. Melanie, who had just had a baby, um, is in no shape to do anything. And out she comes holding a sword, um, ready to do what's needed, um, yeah. to protect her baby and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, from that moment on, you know, you know that Melanie's a special person. And then during that event, how she handled that, she knew exactly what was going on. Uh, the, the moment that Rhett and them showed up at the door and were drunk or pretending to be drunk, you know, right. she knew what was happening and she was all over it. You know, she was playing yeah. her part and, uh, um, which had to be scary as heck, you know, and oh, that, yeah. that's a very courageous thing to be doing in the face of, you know, these police, police mm-hmm. presence. And, um, yeah, Scarlett didn't understand at least at first. Well, and Melanie's interesting because um, she's the necessary foil to Scarlet. I mean, what you see when you see Melanie is it is possible to still be a lady and have depth of character and virtue and yeah, yeah. Uh, be a real Christian under these circumstances. Yep. And Scarlett doesn't understand it. Scarlett at one point says, you can't be a lady if you don't have money. She didn't know why none of these people understood this, thinking of all her old acquaintances from the South who are all just kind of like one lady's started a pie bakery and she's, you know, got all her relatives delivering pies and somebody else is running a boarding house and they're all making do, but they all also have a quality that um, she doesn't understand. And so many times in this book, especially the second half, it will show her watching these people and saying, I don't get it. Wow. Yeah. Over yeah, that's and a, that's over. A, that's a profound observation there because that explains a lot about Scarlett's character, period. You know, the fact that to her, being a lady means you got to have money. Um, right. And not being able to imagine that there's other things that you want. You know, so it's like, you know, her whole love of Ashley the entire time, it was like she was in love with what she saw that she could have been had she married Ashley. You know, it, it was more of a, it wasn't really Ashley himself. You know what I mean? I mean, she, oh, yeah. yeah, she realized that la- At later. At the end of the book, she right, says but, that. But it's like, 
she she and she, and that she didn't know that this entire time. I mean, her whole life. I know she she's only twenty eight at the end of this book, you know. So I say her whole life as if this was you know so so very long. But um, but to be pursuing that the entire time and telling herself that it's Ashley she's pursuing when what she's pursuing is this idea of what she thinks things ought to be. And while not understanding the way things really ought to be, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't have that emotion or she doesn't have that level of understanding at all. Well, it's not even things it's, she says she imbued Ashley with all these qualities when she saw him walking and looking so handsome up the front steps that day at her house at Tara. And she never looked back and, you know, Ashley himself tried to tell her. Yeah. You know, I can't do this. You're supporting us. I could never support us. And she knows, I mean, she makes excuses for him when he can't run one of her mills very well. Hugh Elsing, who has the same problem. She's like, oh, he's an idiot. He's an incompetent. I'm going to let him go, all these things. But she makes excuses for Ashley because she's mm-hmm. so blind. She's still got that schoolgirl crush. And she says later, you know, if he had cast her off the way he should have, she said, oh, I would have hated it. It would have killed me, but I'd have borne up and been able to move on. But see, Ashley is so weak. Oh, my gosh. You Very, know? Yeah. He's both admirable because he recognizes himself and who he is and what his problem is. You know, I, I, I had a beautiful life, and that beautiful life is gone, and I'm good for nothing now. And he can't adapt. Yep. And uh, unlike Melanie... Melanie can adapt. She also had that beautiful life and she can relate to him. And when she's dying, he goes, Oh my gosh, I really loved her. She was my tower of strength. And Scarlett's like, well, now's a fine time to figure it out. But she also had the same realization when Melanie's dying. Scarlett never really grows. She's still, it's like, it's like she grows all at once at the very end. You know what I mean? And, and, and you have hope maybe that after this, she grew, but you don't know for sure. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because she comes out of that ending part understanding three people. She now understands Melanie and how great and wonderful Melanie was, and that Melanie was, she says, like a sword. Let's see. Uh, Melanie had been there that day with a sword in her small hand, ready to do battle for her. And now, as Scarlet looked sadly back, she realized Melanie had always been there beside her with a sword in her hand unobtrusive as her own shadow, loving her, fighting for her with blind, passionate loyalty, mm-hmm. fighting Yankees, fire, hunger, poverty, public opinion, and even her beloved blood kin. Wow. Scarlet felt her courage and self-confidence ooze from her as she realized that the sword which had flashed between her and the world was sheathed forever. <laughs> it's like an angel. you know. Yeah, yeah. And she starts, you see, she starts to figure that out beforehand when she says, I want to talk to you about Ashley. And she's like, oh, oh, dear God, please don't let her know. I don't want to look at her eyes and see that she knew about me and Ashley the whole time. Yeah. And she looks at her and she says, oh, my gosh. And she prays and says, um, it says, as she held Melanie's hand more closely, a flood of warm gratitude to God swept over her. And for the first time since her childhood, she said a humble unselfish prayer. Thank you, God. I know I'm not worth it, but thank you for not letting her know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the only unselfish thing I've ever seen her do. Right. I mean, other than when she's loving Ashley and going, no, you can't move north, but she's not thinking of Ashley then. 
Right. Here she's really thinking of Melanie. And I love the thing that she remembers. She's like, she wanted to, um, to tell her, you know, all those nice things you think I did for you. I did them for Ashley. And it says, Rhett's words came back to her again. She loves you. Let that be your cross. Well, the cross was heavier now. It was bad enough that she had tried by every art to take Ashley from her. But now it was worse that Melanie, who had trusted her blindly through life, was laying the same love and trust on her in death. No, she could not speak. She could not even say again, make an effort to live. She must let her go easily, without a struggle, without tears, without sorrow. And so she then, that's a moment of real maturity and growth. Yeah, and then that's why it's like, I think all it's the only one at in the, the book. End, all, yeah, all of a sudden at the end, she's she's grown or at least realized this, but yeah. But does that apply to everyone? She now I knows know. Ashley better, but that doesn't mean, that just means she understands him. She now understands Rhett better and that he always really loved her. She could see him through a different lens. Um, wow. You know, this is reminding me of a Flannery O'Connor story. Oh my gosh, um, just like right. yeah, just something you know. Remember, she would shock you, right? And mm-hmm. the the characters wouldn't understand until they were shocked. And, yeah, uh, hear the same things happening to Scarlet. We we never know in, in Flannery O'Connor what happens next. You know, we we don't know often. Right. You know, if that person's been permanently changed by the experience, you know, I, and I think that it's ambiguous here. I don't know oh, how yeah. I, how you could even say that, you know, well, I, you know, I believe that for the rest of her life, she was a fantastic person, you know, or whatever. I don't know. You know what <laughs> that I mean? Seems it, atypical. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So who knows? Well, but because, she did have this moment of clarity. Right. So. And you, what I do believe is that based on how she was with Ashley and now that she does understand Rhett and she understands herself better, a little better, mm-hmm. she will love him for the rest of her life. Blindly and passionately and devotedly. Now, the question is, would Rhett ever take her back? Yeah. We know not now. Would it would he take her back in ten or twenty years? My 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 opinion is is I don't know that he he could. I don't know that he was capable. It was like He's so, not deep so either. I mean he's happened. deeper. Yeah, but but he's but. you know, he's telling her, I'm exhausted by you. You know, I <laughs> I have lost I've spent everything, right? Right. And and I felt that. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I was reading this, I felt that all the stuff that had happened to them up to this point. And then, uh, my gosh, you know, uh, and that, that was a funny moment when, you know, I, I chuckle now. But when I was reading that and Scarlet, you know, Melanie passes away and Scarlet is now walking and then running to where Red is at, at Terra, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, I knew the end of the movie, right? I, I haven't <laughs> right. seen the movie. I still haven't seen the movie, but I knew that the last line was, you know, uh, I don't give a damn. Or uh, oh, between Frank, them, yes. yeah, frankly, Scarlett, you know, and it was like suddenly I knew what that meant. You know, I, I didn't, oh, right. you know, suddenly I was like, Scarlett, he doesn't give a damn anymore. You know, <laughs> and I could, I, you know, so I saw that coming, and and that may have been a shame. But I could, I, when she walked in, I didn't have any hope that he was going to connect with her. Um, it, it was too late, you know? And yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I can totally feel his exhaustion and his inability to even muster a feeling. 
at that well, point for her. And I'm thinking, based on what you're saying, I'm thinking, you know, when he's over his exhaustion, he'll always have the painful memories of little Bonnie. Yeah. And yeah. the hard words that she threw at him and his own self-knowledge. Yeah. That she died because he was, you know, too proud and too careless of her. But I could see if Scarlet followed a trajectory of change. She would have to become a different person, not wow. less stubborn, <laughs> not less able to do things the way she does, but somebody who's got that depth of character and could care and understand and take care of him. I could see where very gradually, eventually, maybe they could get back together. Possible, but yeah. When I was a kid, well, kid, high school slash college student, whatever, reading this book several times, I always thought, oh, surely they'll get back together. She'll go convince them, and they're just meant to be together. And um, reading it now, and I'm so much older, <laughs> and I look at it and just go, I don't, he's 45 for one thing. Yeah, she's she's 28, 28, right. But he's 45, and you know, those things, he's been through a lot. He explains it all, and that's when you see the one who grew in this book was him. Mm. He humbled himself for his daughter. He did the best he could for Scarlet while still understanding who she was to try to do everything just to reach through any chink in her little hard shell. And I feel like I just think she broke something in him, at least toward her. Yeah, right. I think it would take mm -hmm. a very different kind of a person to make him love somebody and trust them again. Mm. And, and I think it's a shame because, of course, you know, what we're seeing is a very tragic story here. And then what it made me wonder is, you know, first of all, the question of does she continue to develop? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Understanding who people are is different than you yourself applying it. Um. And and I thought of Grandma Fontaine, hmm. because Grandma Fontaine comes up several times in this book, and it's never long, but it's always significant, because she's there at uh, Gerald's funeral. Hmm. Yeah, when Scarlet's coming apart, and she's and Will, you know, the poor white trash Will, who's held it all together for everyone at Terra, he's going to marry Sue Ellen. Huh. It will both save Sue Ellen and him yep. to varying degrees, and. Um, Scarlet thinks it's just fine, of course. And Grandma Fontaine goes, good. I knew you'd be able to see it. She goes, well, yeah, because, you know, people won't approve. And she's like, they won't? She's like, well, no, I don't approve. Nobody should approve of it. They're totally different classes, says Grandma Fontaine. <laughs> and Scarlet's <laughs> totally bewildered. She uh, doesn't get it at all. Wow. And what I wonder is, it's like, you know, when she told her about her other experience of, you know, watching her mother killed when she was young and it was the Indian Wars and everything. And Scarlet's like, I thought she was going to tell me something helpful. <laughs> all I get is this old story. But I wonder if after all this, eventually Scarlet becomes Grandma Fontaine when she's mm. old. She finally is yep. able to look at something with a little depth because her hard shell has been broken some because Grandma Fontaine warns her. It says in this book, she had become the thing Grandma Fontaine warned her against. Somebody whose heart was so hard, nothing could get through. Wow. She'd become a yeah. hard woman. Mm -hmm. And it's just one line. And I went, went Grandma Fontaine's always popping up. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I never noticed her before. Uh -huh. 
But this wow. time she really, yeah. She, and of course, I've read the book many times. So this is probably fourth, fifth time, maybe yeah, more. Yeah. Um, but not recently, as I said. But <laughs> I just did wonder. It's, because a, one of it's the, a good question. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Sue Ellen is like Scarlet. Sure. Mm-hmm. She is vain. She is selfish. She's unfortunately got Scarlet, who's prettier and better at getting guys and everything, and then who takes away her her uh, fiance, and um, she was willing to settle for him. That's fine. And then she tries to get Gerald to sign that oath, the Yankee oath, yeah, of loyalty to the North. Mm-hmm. And everybody's outraged, including Scarlett, until Scarlett hears that she could get $125,000 for doing it. She goes, oh, Sue Ellen's smart. That much money? Sign an old piece of paper? Who cares? And I'm like, oh, man, you have learned zip. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, this is is really interesting, you know, from the relationship perspective. Um, You know, when you think about two people that are broken towards each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and you wonder if forgiveness can repair that. Um, or if it's just ir- irreparable, you know, when, you know, with God, um, that relationship is never irreparable. It's never broken to the no, point right. where it can't be repaired, you know. Um, he will always forgive you, but can you forgive yourself? Right, right. And I think Rhett can't forgive himself. And maybe that's what stands between even people, you know. So if you think yeah. of Scarlet and Red, if they could forgive each other and forgive themselves, maybe they could be in the same place. Because right now, I mean, they spent the whole book missing each other, right? Yeah. It's like we're all, we're in a different place. We're not in the same place, you know. Um, Scarlet's married, you know, or something, you know, whatever. But they're never in a place where it worked. And then um, they kind of forced that to work when they got married. Do you think Scarlet felt like she had something to forgive herself for at the end? Um, I don't know. I you'd you'd think that with it's the understanding, told. with the understanding of what um, what was going on with Ashley, with her understanding of that, I would think that regret would come with that, because she so. would she would realize that her entire life has been spent chasing something that is, that didn't exist, and all the decisions, all the decisions that she made as a result of that, all the people that she hurt as a result of some of those decisions. It's not like every decision she made in her life was about Ashley, but a lot of them were, you know. Well, also, though, the first thing she does is blame Ashley. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. If only he had told her. Why did she waste all that time when he didn't tell her? And I'm like, Rhett understands. He doesn't even, he blames Scarlett, but not like that. He just looks at her as part of the puzzle that he could never crack, and he tried Mm. so hard, and he's like... Then we had Bonnie, and she's the little girl I could love the way I wanted to love you. Yeah. Wow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I could spoil her, and I could do all these things for her. And so she was his consolation, and he'll always blame himself for that, unless, as you say, he manages to find some sort of peace with it. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I I don't know. I, And, of course, you know, Ashley, he's useless. Yeah, Ashley was just useless. I mean, you know. (laughs) And I like that Melanie knew it. Yeah. Melanie's dying, and that's the one thing. She never can see Scarlet clearly. (laughs) She sees Ashley, and she never, you know, she still idolizes him. But she's like, so help him out with the business, right? Because, you know, he's not as great as he could be at the business. I don't know. It it makes me, you know, 
Melanie, you know, being such a, a great person, it makes me wonder if she did see Scarlet. You know, she did understand. You know, because she knew no. enough about Scarlet to say, I need you to take care of Ashley. Because she knew that Scarlet could. And she knew that uh, Ashley but couldn't. that's different than seeing her clearly. And at one point, whenever it is that she says, you know, it's she understood that Rhett said it was her cross to bear. Because she says, you're so smart, so brave, always been so good to me. And that's when Scarlett wants to say, I never did anything for you. It was all for Ashley. You know, I've been a devil. I wronged you. She always believed in her. Because she attributed to other people the goodness that she wanted to see there. And in that sense, she's not exactly the man who turns the other cheek because, you know, when Jesus tells you to turn the other cheek, you know, you've been slapped in the face, (laughs) but um, she is that pure soul who, even when, what was it that they were going to do? They weren't going to let, let them put flowers on the Yankee soldiers graves. Mm. And Melanie says, but what if, what if some of our boys have some, there have to be some good Yankee women. Or what if some of them are putting flowers on their graves? I'd hate to think our boys didn't have anyone doing it. I will do it. I'm going to put <laughs> flowers on Yankees' graves and you just can't stop me. I'm going to weed them and everything. And, and all the women are crying, yes, too, you know. But it's because she's willing to look for the potential good in other people. I mean, she's the one who's, you know, even when she's hearing Rhett's confession, essentially, after Bonnie dies. Yeah. And she's telling Scarlett, you know, be good to him. He loves you. Hmm. Be kind to him. Yeah, that was something. And But she before then would say, he took this action to save Ashley. He is always welcome in my home. Don't even try to turn him away. You know, she she lived by her convictions and she didn't stop to say, but what if they were doing it for an angle? Yeah, right. She just knew Ashley had a problem with business because she and he understood each other. They were soulmates. They were meant to sit around and watch the stars and talk dreamy philosophy. So true. That's well put. And the one time she stops Ashley from doing what would really have saved them as a couple and saved Ashley and Scarlett, which is going north to work in a bank or something, it's because Scarlett's crying and she thinks Scarlett's crying because you know, uh, she won't have any help anymore. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It's clear that she didn't get Scarlet. She's just a saint. Yeah. (laughs) She's just assuming the best, right? She's assuming that, that people's motives are correct. Yeah. And I do love though, that Rhett was wise enough to say, you can't tell her any of this and this is your cross to bear. I mean, going back to the Catholic rhetoric from the beginning of the book, when the mother is laying down this Catholic way of living and thinking. And Rhett's using some of that. And this is, and Scarlett's going to bears that cross for a little while. She doesn't have to bear it for long, but when she does, she does. And she's not used to bearing a cross ever. It's not something she does. No, and certainly not gracefully usually. Yeah. Fascinating. That That's really terrific. Um, but yeah, Melanie, Melanie's like the hero of the book. (laughs) She's just just terrific. Yeah. Well, and I know that when reviews of the book came out, some people like, you know, went, Oh wow, what a great book. And there was a priest who wrote her a letter going, wow, this core you've uncovered here. This is great. She says, Oh, thank you so much. Because there were other reviews where, um, they were looking at Scarlett as the heroine and she was like, well, no, yeah, it's about her and from her point of view, but Melanie's the heroine. 
We're all oh, supposed cool. to want to be like Melanie, not like Scarlet. Scarlet is not who we're supposed to be. And um, yeah, and you can really see it when you read the book. For certain, yeah. That's that's neat. It's cool that she said that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. This is a magnificent book. It 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 pulls you right along. I mean, I always wanted to get back to it. I couldn't wait. Um, oh, what a, what a surprise this was. This this entire thing. <laughs> Again, you know, I said it in the last one, but I felt like I knew what this was. And what I, did I you did think not. it was exactly? I thought I'm... it was just a love story between Rhett okay. and Scarlet. Okay. And, a thousand uh, they, page long love story. Yep. Okay. Yep. And they and they spent. Uh, I that long getting married is kind of what I thought. Yeah. Oh, then you know what I, mean? I salute you for being so good natured and <laughs> cheerful when I suggested it. <laughs> it's like, you know, I didn't know what would happen in a thousand pages, but you know, there are other books that are that long, you know? Yeah. So I, I was, you know, that that's what I thought a book about the South during the civil civil war and this couple getting together. That's our cross lovers. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, wouldn't it surprise me at all if one was from the north and one was from the south? But um, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, wouldn't have wouldn't have surprised me a bit. But yeah, oh yeah, it, it's definitely not that. It is just terrific. Well, and there were there were a couple things that occurred to me that um, I do want to say before we're done. Uh-huh. Um, one is when Scarlet's looking at all those Confederacy women who, you know, they've lost the war, but they're having to bear up and run their pie wagons and do their things, but they're at this party. And she's realizing she doesn't understand them. And one of the reasons she doesn't understand them is because they're still holding the same values they held before, which is not, you know, like we should be slaveholders necessarily, but it's gracious living, Mm. being a lady, holding to the standards, you know, having a nice wedding dress when your daughter gets married, all that stuff. Right. Class yeah. distinctions, mm-hmm. everything. And um, it made me think, because the reason I wanted to read the book is, you know, there's been a lot of unrest and a lot of disagreement, a lot of fighting in this country right now. And this, of course, is a period when this is all happening. Uh, and, and leading up to it, it was happening. You know, yep. we read Uncle Tom's Cabin. That book was written to point out, you're wrong. And here's why. Um, to the other side that wasn't listening. Mm. So um, there's that point of view. And I looked at those people at that party and I thought about Melanie, who's, you know, the epitome of that. And I thought, what values do we cultivate that form the core of who we are? And of course, you and I talk about this all the time as, you know, being Catholics, what virtues do you cultivate? And everything should lead from that. Mm, How we deal with people who disagree with us, how we live in a world that might not um, think the same as we do, you know. um, Sure, sure. And when when people are espousing as if everybody thinks the way they do, something that is so blatantly opposite to what you think or know to be truth with a capital T, how do you – act and react and can you still hold them in esteem because that's not of course now i'm moving away from the confederacy thing but it's the whole idea of we're called upon to love all these people as good christians it's it's melanie saying but what if there's some good yankee woman putting flowers on a um one of our boys's graves yeah some some type of understanding of the other person right yeah. And that they can be good people. They mm. can have good instincts. And I don't mean to say I think of people who don't agree with me as bad. I'm 
kind of going back and forth between Melanie and the Confederacy and <laughs> right now, but I'm thinking of that, you know, her talking about putting flowers on the enemy's grave, essentially. Right, right, yeah. Somebody would be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, for her to think that is really well, thinking outside the box. It really is, you know, seeing the other person as a human being. Right. Which is something that I think is missing in a lot of our dialogue today. Um, but if you can if you can see that other person as a person and, and trust that their motives are not negative, uh, meaning they have, they have motives like you have motives. Right. And it's just like, if I can just understand that, maybe we can come to some type of an understanding or a compromise or something. You know, in science yeah. fiction often, you know, there's an alien that uh, you can't understand, you can't possibly understand and therefore, conflict is inevitable when you both mm-hmm. want the same resource, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a that's a common recurring thing in in um, in science fiction. But it's 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 not unlike when you can't see your enemy as a human being that actually is worried about their children. Yeah, you know uh, they they have the same things we have. You yeah, know? and people, you know, there's the rare exception. Yeah. People who just don't care about anybody else, they just want what they want. But most people, by and large, are like us. They do want the best thing. They just see how to go about it in such a radically different way. And these days where a lot of people are increasingly unmoored from the Christian values that underlie a lot of our cultural values... It's easy to see how they go astray, even while you decry what's going on, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but this book yeah. Is, yeah, this this book, and it doesn't talk about that a lot, but that's where Melanie is very important. Agreed, yeah. She's seeing people as people. Well, and she's the one who, because she's so respected until the very last minute when Scarlet just, you know, finally does so many things that they can't take it anymore, all the society ladies will follow Melanie. They mm. will try to see Scarlet a little bit more as a human being. And, in fact, that's what Rhett does when he's asking advice of all these ladies about, you know, oh, gosh, Bonnie's sucking her thumb. What do you think? You're such a good mother. Mm. And they're all, oh, that Red, he can't be all bad. <laughs> yeah, He's opening up enough mm-hmm. because he does care about these things. I mean, he's carefully asking the questions, but he does care. Right. And right. he's allowing them to see him as a human being. Yeah. And and allowing that weakness to be seen, that's part of it too, I guess, now that I think about it. You can't always be strong and win and on top. That's part of, you know, I mean, think of Jesus. He Yeah. Look what he went through. Absolutely. You know, and, and when you think of it, even, you know, if you like you, you pull the lens back, you know, um, yeah. it, it's like, uh, you know, one of the things that this made me think of, I, I was also, um, right around the same time I'm, I'm listening to one of those, uh, great courses on the medieval world oh. and, uh, you know, Ooh. learning just, you know, the Catholic church and everything. And it's 2000 years old. Isn't it remarkable that it's still here, you know, for 2000 <laughs> yeah. years. And I'm listening to what that what was going on in the medieval times and all this stuff. And then, you know, um, you think, well, here it is. The United States is what 200 something years old, and it's not even it's not that old at all. And and you're looking at, you know, we were reading about Gilgamesh from you know 3500 <laughs> BC, and, and you know everything is connected. You know, mm-hmm. it's all the one reality, right? Um, 
but it, you know, these things are gonna gonna fall. These things are gonna rise and they're gonna fall. We're people. Mm-hmm. This is gonna happen. And what what is left when mm. when this stuff is taken away? Kind of like you were saying, when this stuff is gone, what mm-hmm. is left? You know, um, well, well, you know, Scarlet in a way could actually function without the South being existing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, she she was able to move in that new world um, better than some of the other ones, like you pointed out. Um, but you get tied into the to the world and the culture and everything like that, and it's it's temporary. Um, well, yeah, at and one so point, are we. You know, we're we're mortal and all that. You know, yeah. you can even go to that point too, where you're you know we're temporary. <laughs> I mean, on this planet anyway. You know, we're we're temporary. Uh, you know, th- this society is temporary. Everything's temporary. What is it that's not? You know, yeah. we should, I think that that perspective helps everything else. You know, to, to actually take some time and think about that sometimes. Well, yeah, and there's nothing better than history for helping you to realize that. The more you read of history, the more you realize that, as you say, it's it's not that history repeats itself, but what, who was it who said it, it's like a... It rhymes, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it rhymes, that's that, it. Yeah, was it C.S. Lewis or Chesterton or one of those? I, I, I don't can't know, remember. maybe Chesterton. But there is, yeah. It yeah, it's mm-hmm. that thing of um, all those echoes that you see there just show us that how many systems of government and better ways to live. And uh, Rose is listening to a book <clears throat> about Jim Jones, who had Jonestown and wow. mm-hmm. Guyana and all that stuff. And I'm like, I remember seeing that on the news when Me I was too. in yeah. home from college or whatever. And <laughs> yep. my whole family was flabbergasted. We'd never heard of such a thing. How <laughs> awful. And and she's telling me things about his past. And he was really connected to, uh, as a Christian minister. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't know any of that. And so they're talking, but he believed in socialism. And so it's all these things and you see this stuff and you go, wow, how many ways can we go wrong? Every time we're putting our faith in ourselves and in what we can, um, push on other people, what we can manipulate, you know, it's like, it's when you're not giving of yourself mm. and getting outside yourself like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm and letting God of, flow through you. I absolutely, mean, it, it, yeah. I act like I can channel this, but I can't. <laughs> but you know, yeah, and we we've talked about some Old Testament things where, you know, well Moses goes up the mountain, and by the time he comes down, everything's chaos. You know, he's <laughs> like, we've we've got a new church. We've done, days, you, know, you guys. Yeah, it was just like, come on. <laughs> You know, it's like Christ saying, you know, can't I leave for a second without you guys falling asleep? Can't you pray I've been gone one hour. Yeah, right. And he does it three times that every time they fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Just something else. Um, And it's just, it's so correct. It's it's human Mm -hmm. nature perfectly. Yeah. And and it makes it sound like we're we're saying humans are terrible and humans are not terrible. Humans are good. But we Mm -hmm. get so confused, so distracted so determined and stubborn. And as God said, you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> yes, yes, we are a stiff-necked people, and we think mm. we know better. Right. Um, you know, but we that, are good. that is what Melanie did, right? Right. Is, is what you're saying right now is the ability to say, we are like this, they are like this, whoever they is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we're all like this. This is what we are. 
Right. And seeing that and knowing that we're connected or we're we're the same, you know, mm-hmm. we've got things in common. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing I was going to say is, um, and I, I missed saying this earlier, but I think it also applies in a bigger picture. So talking about how this book portrays things um, and whether it's accurate or not, that kind of thing. It is speaking of medieval things. It kind mm. of makes me think in a sense of something like Robin Hood. Uh, yeah. If this whole story wasn't in the South, the American South, mm-hmm. it was in medieval England and it was an oppressed, uh, you know, state or province or whatever. I don't know what they had. Fiefdom, uh-huh. you know, Sherwood Forest. Right. And whatever town is next to it, Sherwood, I guess. Um, if that was them and this was all happening, well, it would be the peasants who everybody's talking about. And it would be the faithful servants and loyal nurse and governess and whatever who are helping the family out despite everything. And I think from the point of view of that kind of a story, we uh, we accept it. Yeah, yeah. That's far enough away and different, and we've heard mm-hmm. enough stories like that that we go, I will accept these types of people. And these type of people are uh, not educated, and it's easy to manipulate them because they've never had anything, and these evil people are going to do that. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Well, in that sense, if you think about this as the story of – it's in a sense, it's a true story, but in a sense, it's like the fantasy story, right? Because it's told from that one point of view. Um, this works like that, and on that level, it it's okay. No, that's a that's a really good point. I'm not accepting characterizations of any class of people as being accurate. Is what I'm saying is yeah, they're right. they're handy in this case mm-hmm. to tell this story. To tell the story, right? Yeah, and and in fact, in terms of making us so uncertain and making us want to look into it. It's very effective as an educational tool, as you said before. But I was thinking about it, and I was going, Ivanhoe had stuff like this all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, there were all kinds of things like this. And you don't blink an eye. Right. Yep. You just go, oh, okay. Yep. Very of, true. Of course, there it's the Jews who are being picked on, because, you know, that's what was happening then. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that that's really true. And it, it does say something that um, we can pick many, many, many periods in history where something like this happened. Right. Um, that That is a remarkable thing in itself. Yeah, so in that sense, it's a, it's a representative look at this thing that happened, how these people felt about it, how they did or didn't react in the right way um, with a love story. Yeah, right. A tragic love story. Yep. Remarkable. What a book. I'm so glad. What a book. (laughs) I have to say, I was looking through it uh, just a little while ago, kind of pulling my notes together, and Uh, I got caught up in the last chapter again. I was like, (laughs) I'll get back to those notes in a minute, but oh, this is so true. Oh, 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 yeah, this is right. You know, you can't help it. You get sucked in. Mm, Right. Wow. So do you uh, own uh, a copy of this that you really love? Like, uh, Like, I think you have one of Lord of the Rings. I know. Can you believe I don't? I'm you just don't, a library no. copy. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm sorry to admit it. Please forgive me and still talk to me. Oh, too funny. Well, yeah. I was thinking I might have to buy a copy. Yeah, I was I was just thinking yeah. in my head you had a treasured copy. Well, but, no, yeah. my mom had a treasured copy that she gave to Hannah, my oldest ah, daughter. Very nice. Uh-huh. 
And I was going to borrow that, but they're living with very little space. And so it's in a box in her in-laws <laughs> attic. So gotcha. she wasn't able to get it mm-hmm. out in time. And I went, you know what? The library's got a great copy, but I, yeah. I did like it. And I was like, you know, I wonder how many more times I'm going to read it. But I would say when people talk about banning books, that makes me want to buy a copy of it just so oh, because I'll stop I'm sure there's a copy it. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a Fahrenheit 451 situation. Right. Right. <laughs> Yep, I hear you. Yeah, well, I was a heretic, and I read it on uh, Kindle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. You monster. <laughs> I don't know how you can keep track you of it, monster. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was our huge book for the year. <laughs> that I, was a big one. <laughs> yeah. It sure was. <laughs> wow. Oh, my Very, goodness. very happy to have read it. Thank you again. Oh, I'm Thank so you glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. So next... Uh, we're going to take it to uh, Paris, France. <laughs> um, Ratatouille is what oh, we'll talk okay. about. Yeah, Ratatouille. I was going. That is takes place in Paris, doesn't it? <laughs> I think it's Paris, France. Ratatouille? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the place right. with the finest chefs, of course. <laughs> yeah, yes. so we're going to lighten it up a little. Um, what a wonderful movie. Uh, Ratatouille. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. that'll be fun. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Everyone who read the book, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, congratulations for reading the book. (laughs) Yes. It's so long. That is a major feat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Yes. Mm. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye.